Lord, we thank you for this mysterious happening that has been like a shockwave through history. Help us to understand what it means for us in this day. In your precious name, Amen. How are we to engage a story like this? Resurrection seems so far away from our experience of life and yet in another way I think it is so immediate to our experience. Nobody anticipated resurrection. Uh, It's not like we've become more enlightened in the 21st century and we've worked out that people when they die don't pop up again. That's actually been known for a really long time. And um, people back then were not more gullible. They weren't um, somehow easily persuaded by stories and so forth more than us, although I think we've become more cynical perhaps, I don't know. But you can see in the responses of the two women who went to the tomb, they expected to find Jesus dead. They were going to wrap up his body in spices and they were shocked to find he wasn't there and even then they didn't go, oh that's right, he said he rose, he would rise. They thought someone had pinched him. Nobody anticipated the resurrection. See, people don't rise from the dead, do they? Of course they don't. Imagine the funeral industry if people were popping up at the funeral. It was just the the chaos that it would cause. We know that once a person is dead, they are dead. Who among us knows someone who has risen? Anybody? No, it's not a very common experience. I mean, I've, I've heard there have been claims here and there, usually in far-off places that can't be verified, and these are sort of resuscitations more than resurrections. But um, part of the explosive nature of this story is it is so unexpected, so unbelievable, really. Nobody anticipated resurrection. Nobody except Jesus. Strangely, Jesus knew. If we're to believe the accounts that we have, Jesus spoke both of his upcoming death and his resurrection. He keenly anticipated them. He kind of lived towards his death and resurrection. He leaned into it. It drew him into his life and on to his death. He had the hope of it. Now, some of us in the church believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. I believe in that, and uh, some people will think I'm a bit silly to believe in that, but I do, I believe that. And uh, it's not just a theological concept. I've known people for whom believing in the bodily resurrection of Christ is their little slogan that says whether you're a true believer or not. So they'll, they'll come up to you like, I imagine maybe in the Communist Party you had to have special things or you know people with handshakes. Do you believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ? Are you really one of us? And it, it becomes almost like a, I don't know, a, a badge of membership or something like that to a, a secret club. Uh, I know somebody who believed very strongly in the bodily resurrection of Christ and he treated other people who didn't very, very poorly. And it made me wonder, what does it matter if you believe that and behave like that? 
There seemed to be a disconnect in the stated belief and the way it empowered this person to live. It's actually a relatively safe thing to say you believe in the resurrection. It's an idea. It's uh, confined to history 2,000 years ago. We actually have no first-hand access to it. You can't prove it. You can't disprove it. It's so far away from us. Perhaps saying you believe in the resurrection indicates that you're prepared to go against the crowd, go against the majority opinion, because we are mostly sceptics today, so most people don't believe, so you're prepared to be an outlier. Good on you. That's a step towards counterculture, although too often it becomes subculture rather than counterculture. Um, You're prepared to be labelled odd, though. Remember Jesus had that saying, you will know the truth and the truth will make you odd. Remember that one? Yeah. They actually said the truth will set you free, but more often it makes you odd. We move towards counterculture, but just believing in the resurrection as an idea doesn't really get us to counterculture. We become a subculture, a bit like a bridge club or the Probus club where there's a group of people who have something in common and they like to get together for mutual support. It's relatively easy to ascribe to a concept But living resurrection, that's a different thing. And this, I think, is uh, the most powerful testimony to the reality of resurrection. I want you to think about this for a moment. Believing in resurrection, if you believe in the resurrection, and it's central to Christian faith, so if you believe in the resurrection, I think it gives us a freedom to face and embrace death, which is one of the things that is most scary in our society. We often contrast death and life as if they are opposites. But Jesus shows us that death is an essential part of life. Everybody and everything that lives will die. Can't escape it. We cannot enter fully into life unless we also accept the reality of death because we will spend all our time trying to avoid that reality. The opposite of life and death, on the one hand, I think, is survival. Survival is actually the opposite of life, strangely. And I'll tell you why. I think that we have an instinct for survival And that means that we don't ever want to go near death. And so when we live in the survival mode, what we're doing is living in the fear of death. And it's not living at all. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he spoke to people who were walking around living and breathing and calling them out of their death and saying, come alive, come into eternal life, come into a life that's richer than any life you've ever known. Because... Life and death go together and survival is the opposite. Yet our instinct for survival is so strong. We never opt for death unless living has become intolerable. That's the only time, isn't it? You don't choose death unless life has become intolerable. Yet this is where Jesus is unique, if we believe the accounts. Jesus lived life fully, 
His life was rich by all accounts. He entered into relationships, he danced and partied, he grieved, he loved people, he was connected. And he did not opt for death, but he did allow himself to be murdered by a crowd. Jesus was not seeking to escape his life. In the end, his confidence was that in allowing himself to die was the fullest possible expression of life. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It makes sense to me. If you're wondering about it, you can talk to me later. Very happy to engage. But you see, this willingness to embrace death actually gives us the power to fully live, the freedom to fully live. The reality sign of resurrection, I think, is when you see people who are fully alive. They're the ones who believe in resurrection, not to be held back due to fear, to do that which is good and true and loving and life-giving, no matter the cost, even if the cost is death. You see, it's instinctual to do that which preserves our own life. We do it automatically. It's part of our evolutionary training or whatever. It is the hope of resurrection that allows us to give our life. That is the deepest form of life. Now, it might be something very unremarkable. It could be the gentleness of conversation. And even in a conversation situation, you can have people that are there for them. They're waiting for a pause in everyone else's speaking so they can say their words and for a moment feel present or whatever. And you can give your life in that moment by listening. That's a giving of your life. Could be being up at 4.30 in the morning with your children who are not 100% well and you'd really like to be asleep or to throttle them or to do something else and you decide not to. It's either going into life, going into love. You give your life because you know there's something good on the other side. And that's the other freedom, I think. The resurrection calls us into a freedom of being held by something bigger than just me. You know, once we get past the uh, struggle for survival, we, we sneak up on this struggle for meaning. And it's, it's a Western world problem. A lot of the world is still tr- struggling to survive and they haven't got to the struggle for meaning. But we're pretty comfortable, most of us, And so we're not struggling to survive in quite the same way. And then we get to this point where we kind of go, so what does it all mean? I've got sort of too much time on my hands. I'm starting to think next level questions. And uh, people attend to this struggle in a variety of ways. I could stereotype it and say men go into their work or their hobbies or their sport or sex or I don't know what else. Uh, Women, what do we like to say? Women go, they go into family, community work, really good things, you know. Women are better than men, aren't they? Well, it's kind of a joke, but, you know, it depends on the woman, really, doesn't it? <laughs> You're allowed to laugh if you think it's funny. Um, and they're good things to go into, aren't they? All those things are good things, but when we give them the weight of trying to give us the meaning for our lives, they can't hold that. It's too much meaning for a family to hold or a relationship to hold or a career to hold or a hobby or a sport to hold. 
the thing about Jesus' resurrection is it can hold that level of meaning for us. The hope of a deeper, fuller, richer life beyond the one we currently know is a very creative and life-giving hope. The hope that there is more to come, that it is deeper and richer and fuller and we don't know the full extent of it yet. That is a very dynamic, life-giving, creative hope. When this comes together with the hope of resurrection, it draws us into our life, not away from it, but into our life. And from that place we can be life givers as well. Rather than fear getting too close to something or someone or a situation because of what it might cost us, we can decide to give ourselves, to go into that, knowing it might cost us more than we know. And yet if it's the right thing to do, the good thing to do, the loving thing to do, knowing there's a transformation that can take place and we could, in some ways, we can die. You know, Paul says in the letter to somebody or other, I haven't looked it up, but he says, I die daily. Anyone know that reference? I die daily. He does say it. I know it's in there. And it was his experience that he constantly gave himself to groups of people and he went through a lot of really hard times and yet he continually emerged from those understanding the richness and the fullness of life that came as a result of resurrection. You see, we can participate as Jesus' hands and feet. And if you think that's a a cliche, you've probably never done it. We are the body of Christ. And you look around and this group of people who come from different places and different nationalities and different languages and different politics and different uh, education different socio-economic background and yet we mysteriously somehow are the body of Christ and the way we love each other equips us to be stronger into our lives and enable us to be strong in our communities and invite other people into their lives and be strong in their lives and to live fully knowing that we will die We might die today, we might die tomorrow, we might have a little experience of death today or tomorrow. But there's a hope of something deeper and richer and fuller each time death meets us. That is the hope of resurrection. So as we gather around this table at the moment, and I hope you'll all join with us, anybody who wants to put their trust in in Jesus is welcome at his table. Know that Jesus was raised only after he died. On Good Friday we stood in the foyer there, it was all dark, and we we remembered that Jesus didn't avoid death. Too often I see Christian people, their belief in resurrection is a quasi-resistance to the idea that they will have to die. They think of resurrection as avoiding death. It's not. You can't face resurrection unless you die first. It's part of the package. And Jesus on Easter Saturday was held by death. He was in the tomb. He was dead. And then on Easter Sunday he rose. So know as we gather around this table 
The resurrected Jesus was only resurrected because he went through death. The hope of the resurrection sets us free from that fear of death to enter fully into life now. Now God reigns, it seems. And uh, life-giving resurrection is a meaning that you can live into and it holds us. It has enough meaning to hold that meaning of our lives and we can then become part of bringing that meaning to other people. Now that's done your head in. Um, I'm sorry about that. I had a very early start to the day and I'm very happy to uh, clarify anything that I've said to you. (laughs) But let us pray. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you didn't stay in the tomb. We thank you that you were willing to go there but you didn't stay there. You rose again and you have changed history ever since. You've changed the lives of individuals and communities, the course of nations and you continue to transform people and cultures We ask that you would help us to understand what it means to trust in you and believe in your resurrection, that we might live fully into our lives and bring life to others. In your precious name. Amen.